Hello there. What another blessed Thursday we have to be able to study the word of God as far as uh, working through uh, the passage known as Galatians. I'm certainly delighted and elated that the Lord has allowed for you all to join us as far as this time of study is concerned. And so as we prepare to go through uh, Galatians chapter three, we're going to focus on four verses, four verses, verse 26 through verse 29, verse 26 through verse 29. And as we prepare to get started, as far as today is concerned, I'm hoping and praying that uh, this moment of study will be a blessing to you as I was making preparation to uh, pull together our time as far as study is concerned. This particular passage, these four verses, bless me in a tremendous way that I hope and pray will be a blessing to you as far as our time of study is concerned. And so with that, I want us to, if we could, let us bow our heads for a word of prayer as we sense and seek what the Lord would have to do as far as our time together is concerned. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I come and I thank you for this wonderful opportunity to be able to study your word, to grow in your word, to uh, be made richer in your word as far as our spiritual lives and other aspects of our being is concerned. God, you're the master teacher. You're the master rabbi. So teach us your precepts. Let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Show yourself strong and mighty, O oh God, and we'll be blessed by that. It is in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. So today, my sisters and brothers, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 28 through, uh, I mean, verse 26 through verse 28. I see many of you all who are joining us online, and we're so honored to, to have you to join us. And we thank God uh, for you as far as that's concerned. So uh, Galatians, Galatians 3, starting at verse 26. Galatians 3, starting at verse 26. And I'm going to, you know, as I read this, I'm going to highlight or emphasize some things uh, as far as the text is concerned. Starting at verse 26 of Galatians chapter 3, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. I want you to um, highlight the phrase sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, when we talk about sons of God, um, it also implies daughters of God as well. Um, there are times when Paul would write that um, when he talk about men or when he talk about sons, uh, he's really meaning both male and female. Interesting thing is that back during that time, wasn't a lot of emphasis on inclusive language. So I want to be very intentional about that. For you all are sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 27, for as many of you were baptized into Christ, if you would highlight the phrase, were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. I want you to underline that phrase, were have put on Christ. Okay. Verse 28, there is neither Jute nor Greek, underline that. There is neither slave nor free, underline that. 
there's neither male nor female, underline that. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Highlight the phrase, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Then verse 29, verse 29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Okay, highlight the phrase Abraham's seed. And heirs according to his promise. And if you would, underline the phrase and heirs according to the promise. Okay. As we move forward, as far as um, our time of study is concerned, I see so many of you all are joining us online. And I want to say hello to everybody that is tagging in as far as our uh, uh, Bible study is concerned. So let's unpack this with some wonderful uh, insights and intentionality. Uh, because I, I do believe that, that God has, uh, just in this text, a mighty working that the Lord would love to uh, have us to uh, really appreciate and, and understand as far as our time of study is concerned. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. When we look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29, uh, one of the things that I want to impress upon you is Paul is really focused on several things. Number one, helping the people to understand that you and I have a relationship with God based upon our faith in Jesus Christ simply because of God's grace. You, you, you don't get circumcised to have it. Uh, you don't necessarily have to be a Jew to have it. Uh, we get it because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And because of our faith in Christ, we become children of God. So here is Paul really lifting up what we call the doctrine of justification by faith, because what he wants us to understand is that now that we are in Christ, some things are happening with us and in us that won't happen to anybody else who does not have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And here it is, that because of our faith in Christ, we are now sons and daughters, or children of God. And now that we are children's of God, children of God, we no longer are under the care or the rigors of the law. That because we are now children of God, because of our faith in Jesus Christ, we are heirs, if you would check it out at the bottom, heirs according to the promise, because we are now spiritually the seed of Abraham. Now, I got to slow walk this because just these four verses, if you can get this, this will bless you in a tremendous and an astounding way. We receive our status in Jesus through faith. And when you're truly a child of God, you've been justified by faith in Christ and we have a new relationship with God, that of adopted sons and daughters. 
Now, this is what I really want to impress upon you about adoption. And if any of you have ever gone through Christian education orientation, which is the new disciples class I teach, you will know that there are several things that happen to you once you say yes to God. And one of the things that happens to you once you say yes to God because of your faith in Jesus Christ, you are adopted. And I think that one of the things that I share with you all about being adopted is this, that when you are adopted, that basically means you've been chosen, okay? You have been chosen. Let me say that one more time. You, you have been chosen. And according to Roman law back then, the children who were adopted had more rights legally than the ones who were born by blood or the ones who were children by blood. Why? Because the parents went out and intentionally chose these children. And because they chose them, they could not what? Unchoose them. Right? That was how the Roman law flowed back then. So let's talk about what it means to um, uh, be in Christ, because this is very critical for us to appreciate and understand. When I am in Christ, when I am in Christ, that means that Jesus is my savior and my Lord, okay? He cannot save you if he ain't gonna be your Lord and he will not be your Lord without saving you, all right? Which means as savior, I am saved from my sins. I am growing in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ by the power and the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. But not only that, Something else astounding is happening. Jesus now has the right to tell me how to live my life. Jesus has the right to tell you and I how to live our lives. All right? Okay. Because this phrase in Jesus Christ means that since I'm in Christ, I'm no longer under the rigors of the law. And if you read Galatians, you're going to see this phrase in Christ appear a whole lot of times. All right. You're going to hear it appear a whole lot of times. Now, I want to slow walk this because this is going to be very intentional when I'm getting ready to drop on you. Because as we talk about being in Christ, this means that Christ's righteousness is imputed to me or put on me. Christ's sacrifice is put on me. Christ's faithfulness is put on me. And, and we're regarded by God as God's sons and daughters. That happens simply because of grace, not anything that you and I can do. 
Nevertheless, since I am in Christ, certain things ought to be happening. Okay? I, I, I don't do things, or I don't go to church, or I don't uh, uh, work in ministry, or I don't engage in service trying to get God's love and trying to obtain God's grace. But once I've been exposed to that, and once I understand that something within ought to be urging me to grow in my relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Which means that if, if, if I am in Christ, some things ought to be happening. There ought to be some changes. And those changes are predicated upon how I live my life and how I work out my discipleship. And it comes under the rubric of sanctification. Okay, sanctification, and I, I know I'm throwing some stuff out there that's not necessarily in the, the lesson, uh, but hopefully and prayerfully, you will follow the thread. Sanctification basically means I am growing. I'm not what I used to be, but I'm not where I should be. I am growing. And as I am growing, there's some changes positively that is happening with me. And now that I am in Christ, as well as you being in Christ, that means what? We are family. And if we are family, we are sisters and brothers in Christ to God, our father. So you and I, now because we are in Christ, we should be growing. Now I'm getting ready to say something that's gonna hurt somebody's feelings um, because I contend there are a lot of folks who are in church, but they ain't in Christ. Ooh. Let me say it again. A lot of people can be in a church and not necessarily in Christ. All right. Because watch what I'm getting ready to drop on y'all. Now that you and I are sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ, now that you and I are children of God, our relationship with each other has its common principle in how we are related to God. What you're saying, Pastor, this is what I'm saying. Now that you and I are children of the same family, because God is our heavenly parent, Jesus is our elder brother, the Holy Spirit is in us, the Holy Spirit now replaces the law. Ooh, I'm doing some good teaching. The Holy Spirit now replaces the law because now the Holy Spirit is the one that shows us when we're right and when we're wrong. And so because you and I are God's children, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Okay? All right? We are heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ. So here is the long and skinny of what I'm dropping on you. That being in Christ is really what the gospel is all about, all right? You, you can talk about legalism. 
You can talk about justification by faith. You can talk about all this different other stuff that pop up in the church that ain't got nothing to do with Jesus. What color the carpet going to be? What color the choir robe is going to be? Uh, how service is going to flow? If we're going to do this. No, and none of that stuff basically has nothing to do with being in Christ. If you and I are so caught up in all the machinations of church and miss being in Christ, we miss the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? So you and I are children of God through faith in who? Christ Jesus. All right? See, you got to understand, we've been talking about this law thing, and under the law, the law was the tutor. The law was the disciplinarian. The law was the supervisor. However, now that Christ has come, the Galatian believers were adult children through faith. They were no longer under the law. They were no longer under the law. Now, how do we, how's this happen? How's this happen? Let's look at verse 27. And this is, this is why the idea of baptism is so important. Okay. Look at verse 27. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Ooh, let me say it again. As many of you were baptized in the Christ, you have put on Christ. Now, here's what I want, want to unpack. And here's what I want you to understand. Because when we talk about baptism, there are a whole lot of different things that we could be referring to. But I, what I want to do is I want to slow walk you through what I call the supernatural implications of the natural experience. Let me say that again. I know I just dropped something heavy on you. I want to talk about the supernatural implications of the natural experience. That oftentimes what we see happen in the natural or in the physical has supernatural implications. It has supernatural meaning but it is being demonstrated in the physical or in the natural. One of those things is the act of baptism. Okay? Now, here's what Paul ain't doing. Paul is not saying that baptism was replacing being circumcised. Okay? That, 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 that ain't what Paul is doing. Okay? Because remember, you got the Judaizers who were saying that if you aren't circumcised, then you can't really be a follower of Jesus. And Paul is saying you don't have to be circumcised. But what Paul isn't doing is that Paul isn't replacing the rite of circumcision with baptism. All right. Now, basically, baptism doesn't save you any more than circumcision would make you connected with God through Jesus Christ. Y'all with me so far? I'm slow walking you through this very intentional. 
because this word baptize is here in this text and it's here for, for a meaning. Now, when we talk about bapt baptism, back then, just as it is in today's church, they baptize in water. They immersed you in water. Biblical baptism is being immersed in water. Okay? You, you go into the water. That is you being crucified with Christ. You go down in the water. That is you dying and being buried in Christ. You come up out of the water. That is you being raised into Christ. All right? So, Water baptism is very important because water baptism is a sign to the community, the local church community and the world, watch this, that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. So baptism is not an empty meaning. And this is why we really have to help people to understand that when you're baptized, why you're being baptized, all right? Water baptism is a sign to the world that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just like my wedding ring is a sign to the world that I am married to Peter. Y'all got that? Now, watch this. But baptism doesn't save you any more than this wedding ring, me wearing it or not wearing it, make me less married. Y'all get that? You following the flow? You understand what I'm saying? All right. So just as water baptism is a sign to the world, you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It is a, check this out, a physical demonstration of something that is happening in the spiritual realm. Here it is. That just as water baptism demonstrates that you and I have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then what we also got to understand is that the moment you and I sincerely, for real, accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We receive the Holy Spirit. Uh-oh. What you, you, you mean the moment that we really sincerely accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit? Because here's the deal. You don't get two-thirds of the Trinity. Did y'all catch that? You don't get two-thirds of the Godhead. You don't get the Father and the Son without the Spirit. All right? So when, when we talk about being baptized, if water baptism, water baptism is a sign to the world that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, 
that when you really accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit. There's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to live in you and me. Jesus talks about this. Jesus talks about this in John 14, 16 and 17. Remember when he had that conversation with the disciples, he's getting ready to leave. He says, um, I got to leave y'all fellas. I got to leave you. And I pray to God that God's going to give you a comforter, the paraclete, a helper, that he will abide with you forever. And the spirit of truth that the world can't receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he dwells in you and will be with you. In other words, the Holy Spirit is Christ in us. Another counselor, the spirit of truth, he lives with you. He will be in you. So watch this. The Holy Spirit is in us as well as around us. And the Holy Spirit is the one that makes us part of the body of Christ. That comes out in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 12 and 13. Uh, when, when Paul writes, for as the body is one, and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so is Christ. For as by one spirit, we are baptized into one body, be it Jew or Greek, slave or free, that all have been made to drink into the what? One spirit. Now, here's what spirit ain't going to do. The spirit does not give us all the same gifts. Everybody ain't going to speak in tongues. Everybody ain't going to be able to work miracles. Everybody will not be able to prophesy. Everybody will not be able to lay hands. Everybody, But whatever the spirit gives you as far as a gift is concerned, it is for the one body as far as the church is concerned to edify the body, not yourself, but everybody will not have the same gifts, just like everybody can't be an arm, everybody can't be a hand, everybody can't be a foot, everybody can't be a leg, everybody can't be the neck. We all have different gifts, but we all are what? Baptized by the Holy Spirit. We're baptized into Christ. That means that we have a union with Christ. Which means that whenever we commit sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, here, here, here is, here is where I'm getting ready to really take y'all deep. Now that you and I are in Christ, we have put on Christ. It is like we are being clothed with Christ. Now, this goes back to, to a particular understanding that back during, during the days of uh, Roman antiquity, uh, when a child came of age, he was given a special toga. And him wearing that toga or that, that, that clothing admitted him to the full rights and privileges of the family and indicated that he was a grown-up boy. Watch this. So the Galatian believer have laid down the old garment of the law 
have put on the robe of righteousness of Jesus Christ, which gives us full acceptance before God. Now, here's the thing. Now, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just share with you all some things about about your pastor, because when it talks about have put on Christ, did you see it? Have put on Christ. That that is imagery of clothes. Yeah. Ain't nothing you can put on in this world that's more expensive than putting on Christ. Gucci, Louis, nothing more expensive. St. John, nothing more expensive. Donna Karen, nothing more expensive. You got some new clothes now. And I don't know about you all, but, but there's something to be said about wearing expensive clothes. I'm going somewhere with this. You know, you, 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 you act different when you have on something expensive than when you have on something raggedy. When, when, when you got on some expensive clothes, you, you kind of carry yourself differently than if you only had on pajamas. But in today's culture, they wear pajamas out in, you know, out. Lord, I was traveling this week. I know I saw at least three folks wearing pajamas and bonnets, but that's a whole other conversation. But anyway, um, um, uh, and, 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 and hold and check this out. And, and, and what they had on, they were acting the way they, they were wearing. Now, if you don't know your pastor by now, I'm going to give you a little insight that your pastor really liked the finer things in life. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, just, just saying. I'm very particular about what I wear and why. And, and I have a whole lot of folks, they rag on me going like, you know, what, what, what I wear. Now, I'm very particular about what I wear from my ties to my shirts, to my pants, to my shoes. I'm very particular about what I wear. I'm not putting on no twin doll shoes. I don't wear a $5 tie. Okay. Now while clothes don't make the man, when you put on expensive clothes, it causes you to act different. Where am I going with this? Here, here, here's the thing. You know, here's the thing. That when you wear something expensive and exquisite, it causes you to act different. This is all I'm trying to say. The most expensive thing you can put on in this life is Christ. And when you put on Christ, it ought to cause a shift in how you carry yourself. Because we have now put on Christ. That that's 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 what that's what I'm trying to help you understand. And and this is what I want to I want to drill down to you, because you and I now, since we have put on Christ, we have put on the characteristics, the attitude, and the attention that has been modeled by Jesus Christ. 
And this is what I want you to understand. At first, because we're no more spiritual children, the clothing doesn't fit. But the more we grow in Christ, the better fit into what Christ has already given us. Here's what I'm getting ready to drop on you. When you, when, when you put on when you put on the robe of Christ, it's going to look too big on you at the beginning. Want to know why? Because Jesus ain't going to shrink Jesus self down to make you feel good. You got to what? Grow in Christ. And you will, watch this, never outgrow Christ, but you will grow in Christ where the robe of righteousness fits you a whole lot better. That's why you have to engage in the spiritual discipline. That's why you have to live a holy life, not under the threat of judgment or failure, but in the loving guidance of the spirit of God. So that the robe of Christ will look a lot better on us. In other words, we will stop looking like raggedy stepchildren and start looking more like the sons and daughters of God. Now, here's what I'm trying to drive home to you all, because we don't read the Bible trying to get God's love and grace. We don't give tithes and offers trying to get God's love. We don't serve in ministry trying to do all that. We don't come to church trying to do all that. We don't treat people right trying to do all that. We don't do that to seek merit with God, but we do that because we want to experience fully all that God has given us in Christ. I ain't gonna lie, there's some areas in my spiritual life where the clothing is still don't fit. <laughs> and all of us got to wrestle with parts of our life where the clothing doesn't fit and be willing to grow. You all, this is real discipleship. This is authentic sanctification to become more like Christ. Are y'all with me so far? I hope I'm helping you. I hope I'm, I'm blessing you. Okay. All right. So what is it, Pastor, you really trying to say? Here it is. When we're baptized into Christ, we're babies. Okay. And we have to grow in our relationship with God um, through discipleship that is carried out in the rubrics of scripture reading and prayer and fasting and uh, being part of a local church and giving service and treating people kind and engaging in ministry and giving tithes and offerings. Uh, all of that is important in our growth and development to become what God will have for him to be. All right. All right, let, let, let me let me get to 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 some to some good stuff because when all of us are baptized into Christ, when all of us are baptized into Christ, it's some other stuff that's taking place. Because in Christ, as you and I are baptized in Christ, there are some things that are happening. Verse 28 kills it. All right. 
And I, I want to be very intentional with how I teach this because a lot of folks take this out of context. And I really, really, really want to slow walk this aspect of Galatians. Because if you understand this is going to help you to be able to ward off the different barriers that prevent relationship as far as the culture is concerned, especially some of this crazy racist stuff that we see happening. So here's, here's one. First of all, all who believe in Christ, we become children of God. Second of all, all who believe in Christ are one in Christ. Galatians 3.28. And here it is. Paul writes so succinctly when he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female for you are all one in Jesus Christ. Now, when someone reads this, they think that the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the moment you get for real, for real about God, that your distinctions leave. Okay. All right. Now, let's 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 look at something because what I'm getting ready to drop on you, I hope will help us when we interpret this, this passage. So there is neither Jew nor Greek that is um, dealing with ethnic relationships. Because here's what I want you to understand. The back in the Bible, back during that time, there was no such thing as racism. But God knows that you had ethnicism or ethnic strife. Because they did not deal with race back in biblical antiquity like we deal with race in 2022. See, race and racism are new world constructs that really came into being around the 1400s with the beginning emerging of the African slave trade into Europe. Okay. But until, but but really before then, whatever issues there were, it was based on ethnicity, which is why even that, which is why you had, interestingly, Jew and Greek ethnicity, which is why you had Jews not like a Samaritans ethnicity. Um, interestingly, when we look at some of the things that have happened even in today's culture, where you have. Um, um, uh, certain European nations not liking each other, ethnicity. Okay, so, so, so let's then, as we make, and I'm trying to do some good teaching here, as we make the theological connection in today's culture, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. There is neither black or white or Hispanic or, well, let me reclassify it. There, there, there is neither European American, European or African or Asian 
are Latin American. All right. Now I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere with this. So you got, first of all, uh, ethnic relationships. Second of all, you got economic, slave or free. Okay, that's economic. Uh, let me, if I could, bring it into today's culture, employer, employee. Y'all with me? Employer, employee. Um, boss, worker. Okay. All right. Um, um, owner, customer. All right. See, I'm making those connections. Those are economic status. There is neither male or female. Uh, uh, there's neither male nor female. Now, unfortunately, there have been those who have taken that passage or that clause and have gone on a whole nother tangent, which Paul ain't even thinking about or dealing with as far as today's culture is concerned. Okay. So let's let let me let me un unpack this in a very meaningful way that I hope and pray will, will, will bless us. Because some Jewish males, somebody said, what about denominations? That, that has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. That's man-made stuff. Uh, uh, Sabrina, that, that ain't, that has nothing to do because back during that time, there was no such thing as denomination. So that has nothing to do with, with what we're talking about. Um, here. So really the, the, the concern is ethnic relationships, economic status, and gender relationships. We're not dealing with denominations um, because denominations is basically some man-made stuff uh, that has been created. So, so what we're dealing with is hierarchical aspects of the body of Christ. Now, let me, if I could, I want to unpack this because back then, Sometimes some Jewish males would 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 have this prayer. Lord, I thank you. I'm not a Gentile. I thank you. I'm not a slave, and I thank you. I'm not a woman. That was the prayer of some of the Jewish men. Okay, that was the prayer of some of the Jewish men. So when you and I become one in Christ, the unity in Christ transcends our racial distinctions, our social status, uh, and even our gender relationships. Now, here is why Paul is writing this, because the Jews thought they were better than the Gentiles. God knows that the free thought they were better than the slaves, and males thought they were better than female. All right? Here's what we got to understand that 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 Paul is saying that when you are in Christ, that our relationship in Christ transcends the barriers of hierarchical relationships that can keep us apart. Ooh, I'm going somewhere with this. Okay. All right. Because back then. God knows men did not treat women well. 
both the Gentiles and the Jews put women in an inferior position like they were property. Okay. And, and so authentic Christianity really liberates and reestablish women as being created in the image and the likeness of God. Which is why, oh, I'm getting ready to drop something on. Oh, I'm getting ready to drop something on. Oh, I'm getting ready to drop something on us. Oh, I'm getting ready to drop something on us. Which is why you and I are not called to engage in tolerance. We're called to love. Ooh, you and I are not called to tolerate. We're called to love. Because what tolerance means is that I can tolerate you and put up with you, but I don't have to love you. But you and I aren't called to tolerance. We're called to love. We're called to love. Now, here's the bombshell I'm getting ready to drop on us because I got to correct how, how verse 28 has been applied um, as far as the culture is concerned. All right? Because there are those who want to say that this equality only applies to salvation. And uh, basically, there's some people who say that uh, uh, we all have equal access to Christ, to God's grace without discrimination. So, 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 so watch this, watch this. So, so they limit, they limit this aspect of being in Christ only to salvation but not to the societal issues and constructs of where we are right now. And, and I believe Paul is dealing with both because here's what I'm getting ready to drop on us. Here's what I'm getting ready to drop on us. Because I, I, I don't, I want you to understand that we got to correct the misconception that Christianity and unity entails the absence of social distinctions because it doesn't. Because if Paul advocated for the erasure of social distinction in verse 28, he will undercut his own argument. Paul, Paul is trying to reach out to bring Gentiles into the church as Gentiles so that there would be ethnic diversity. I'm going somewhere with this. That's why he starts off by saying there's neither Jew nor Greek. He's trying to get the Gentiles to come in not as Jews, but as Greeks. I'm going somewhere with this. God knows I'm getting ready to drop Drop, drop the bomb on us. Here is what Paul is really trying to get us to understand. Paul is trying to get us to understand that when I said there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, even when you come into the body of Christ, it does not get rid of your distinctions in society. Oh, I'm going to go somewhere with this. Because after I drop this, I really could I really could shut up. That 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 we still have the social distinctions as far as who we are. That in the body of Christ, if you are a Jew, you're a Jew. If you're a Greek, you're a Greek. Let me translate it to today's culture. That in the body of Christ, if you're white, you're white. If you're black, you're black. If you're Asian, you're Asian. If you're African, you're African. If you're um 
Hispanic, you're Hispanic. So, so the body of Christ ain't asking you to be something that you're not. Okay, watch this. That 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 if you are a male, you are male, and if you are a female, you are female. That in the body of Christ, you don't swap. And interestingly, if you're a slave, you're a slave. And if you're free, you're free. All right. Now, here's what Paul is really drilling home. What Paul is saying is that I'm not getting rid of your difference. I'm getting rid of your dominance over one another. That's the bombshell. I'm not eradicating the difference when I say this but I'm getting rid of your perception of dominance and superiority because you're now in the body of Christ. So that now that when you enter the Christian community because of belief in Christ and because you've been baptized, while you may not lose your social distinction, you do lose the capacity to feel like you have the right to dominate somebody. All right, because there are differences in humanity. Yet what Jesus Christ does is abolish the dominance of one over the other based on those differences. So Jews should not be dominating Gentiles. Free persons should not be dominating slaves. Men should not be dominating women. We as sons and daughters of God ought to be fostering harmonious relationships that is based upon mutuality and respect for social differences. I, I sure hope I'm helping somebody with this. Okay. All right. Because now you and I are in Christ. If you are a woman, you are a woman. In Christ. If you are a male, you are a male in Christ. If you are white, you are a white person in Christ. If you are African American, you're African American in Christ or Hispanic in Christ or uh, Japanese in Christ or Chinese in Christ or Indonesian in Christ or Indian in Christ or Native American in Christ. But it does not mean that one is over the other because we're all in what? Christ. And Christ did not save any of us to become something that we're not. Ah. <sighs> Uh, let, let me go ahead and wrap this thing up. Because really what Paul is trying to get us to understand is that if we continue to engage in hierarchical relationship where one is over the other, we really miss what God wants to do as far as the body of Christ is concerned. In other words, God is saying, 
All of us, regardless of our distinctions and differences, are one in Christ. And when we really flow as one in Christ, we are equally valuable to God. Our differences come up based upon the gifts that God has given us, the functions that God has given us, the abilities that God has given us, the skills that God has given us, the talents that God has given us. But we are all one in Christ, utilizing all of that stuff for the sake of the kingdom. So really what Paul is saying, and when you allow your differences to separate you from another believer, you're missing what God wants you to do. And it ain't about differences. It's about dominion and domination of the other. Okay. <sighs> Let me wrap this thing up. Verse 29, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise of God. It, here's, here's why Paul drops this. Paul drops this because Jews already automatically believe that because I'm a Jew, especially if I'm circumcised, I already got the promise of Abraham. I'm already Abraham's seed. And while that was true from the natural perspective, Paul was saying that the Abraham has some other children, spiritual children. They ain't Jews. They ain't been circumcised. But because we are in Christ, we are now the seed of Abraham and we are heirs according to the promise because the original promise was given through the seed, which is Christ that goes all the way back to Genesis. Chapter three, verse 15 and 16. When God gave a promise to Adam and Eve after they committed sin in the garden and said, listen, I'm going to put a seed I'm going to send a seed. It's going to be enmity between you and the serpent. Okay. And when we think about this seed, because if you go back earlier in Galatians 3, you will see now Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He doesn't say to his seeds. But one, and who is that? That's Christ. That's Christ. That's Christ. Now, here's where I want to wrap up, call it a day, because this is where we as brothers and sisters in Christ, we, 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 we don't live up to our identity that we've been given in Christ. We, we, we live passive, defeated lives, uh, we, we seem like we're living under the law and we may be heirs of Christ, but we, we miss the reading of the wheel. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. You miss the reading of the wheel. You know, when someone dies, there's a reading of the wheel and you find out what you get. And the reason why so many of us fail to understand who we are is because we don't read the wheel. What's the real wheel? The word of God. Because when you read the word of God, it's going to inspire something in you. It's going to give you confidence. Not only to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ, but to grow in Christ so that the righteousness of Christ can fit you a whole lot better.
when you are in Christ, you and I are spiritually seeds of Abraham. When you are Christ, you and I are heirs to the promises of God, not because of ourselves, but because of Jesus Christ. And when you and I are in Christ, all the different social distinctions, rich over poor, black over, I mean, white over black, male over female, uh, 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 all of those distinctions, parent over child, all of those distinctions, while those distinctions don't, the, domin the dominance does, the difference doesn't disappear, but the dominance does. Okay. All right. That's my time for 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 for, for today. Um, next week we will pick up on verses one through seven of the fourth chapter of Galatians. Galatians chapter four, verses one through seven, as we continue to talk about what it looks like to be sons and daughters of God. So we will pick up on that next week. But before I close, um, want to basically remind you that we got some wonderful things that are coming up. Children's Church will be opening back up on the second Sunday uh, as far as the youth sanctuary is concerned. So we'll be doing Children's Church second and third Sunday. And I can't wait to have our children to feel more comfortable coming back into the house of the Lord. And so we're looking forward to that. Um, and we're looking forward to doing what we can to allow for uh, and have you to come back and be part of our uh, in-person congregation if you feel led to do that. However, hybrid is here to stay. The digital church is here. And uh, in many ways, uh, we're going to be accentuating and living up and giving lift to doing some even more and wonderful creative things in the months and years to come. And so some of the things that we really got to do is outfit our context locally uh, to be able to handle this hybrid church in a very incredible way. So I'm very excited. The other thing I want to let you all know is that this month, the month of March, March gladness um, uh, is, is getting ready to um, uh, take place on March 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. I got some of God's most gifted preachers that's going to be sharing with us, Bishop Rudolph McKissick, Dr. Cynthia Hale, and Dr. F. Bruce Williams, that uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Of course, March Madness basketball is getting ready to start uh, in a couple of weeks, but we're going to have March Gladness. Uh, March Madness is dealing with basketball, but March Gladness will give you blessings, and I want you to join us as far as that's concerned. But listen, I hope and pray that you all have an incredible rest of the week. Look forward to you all joining us on Sunday, either uh, online or in person. Um, we, 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 we definitely appreciate uh, how the Lord uh, has continued to bless you and keep you. And uh, as I sign out for this time of study, uh, you all be safe and secure as far as uh your life is concerned. Listen, have a great, great, great rest of the week and uh, take care of yourselves. God bless you.